Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where you take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. And isn't that ironic, don't you think? A little bit too ironic. No, I really do think that on the turntable this week, we have Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Dan, this is probably one of the biggest pop albums of the 90s and is a long overdue appearance for it on Track by Track. Is that too grand a statement to make such within the first minute of the podcast? I don't think it's grand enough, Will, actually. I think this is one of the biggest albums of all time. And I think, yeah, really, I mean, we... We don't, you know, we didn't go straight for the biggest selling albums ever when we made this podcast, did we? We didn't go straight for Queen's Greatest Hits and Shania Twain's Come On Over, although we really should do Shania Twain's Come On Over, actually. You know, we've talked a lot about uh, synth pop and we've gone on different tangents, uh, but it really does feel like we should have been talking about this album before because also I think it's, we, it's not our, again, it's not our typical style of music. So it didn't go on the long list for a long time. But actually, it turns out we both really love this album as well. Oh, totally. Uh, And it might surprise you about for me to say that, Dan, because obviously it's very guitar driven uh, and it's very different to the usual electronic mumbo jumbo that we often (laughs) like to talk about on Track by Track. But I can remember thinking back to when this album was released and everyone at school was into it. Everybody loved it. And it was often, if you go around to someone's house, you would just put this album on, play it all the way through, and then play it again and play it again. Definitely. And also, I think people with this album, because this was released 1995, wasn't it? And I think it got very popular in 1996. And I should just say right now, the reason we're talking about it today is because uh, Ironic is just turning 25. And so, so the album got really big in 96 as well. And it felt like there was a lot of girl fronted pop music but this almost felt like a little bit edgier a little bit bit more mature maybe uh and i think that that comes across as well because not only did you fret all your friends have it but probably your mum and dad might like this one as well uh, would your nana like it dan mm, see nana she or grandma as she prefers to be called she thinks nana sounds old um she did have adele's 25 so you know she, she's current ish But I don't think she had this one, to be honest. But I'll tell you who she did like. Alicia's Attic. Oh, really? Yeah, she loved um, The Indestructibles. I think Terry Wogan used to play it on BBC Radio 2. Uh, How old is your grandmother, just out of interest? Or is it rude to ask? I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that she's going to be 80 this year. Oh, she's had a good innings, hasn't she? She's not dying. (laughs) She's got a whole life ahead of her. No, but I think she's probably has had a good innings. She's probably the story she could tell. Dan would make your uh, make you blush. Uh, they have made me blush, Will. But I absolutely will not be talking about them on this podcast. Uh, save that for stories from Nana, your new podcast coming soon. Similar to Christopher Christopher Maloney's "Songs for My Nana" uh, album that he made. <laughs> uh, stick it on the long list. So Alanis Morissette. Uh, Canadian-American singer. Uh, She has uh, had a long and illustrious career uh, going back to the early 1990s uh, because Jagged Little Pill, although it was probably one of her biggest albums, wasn't the first. 
Uh, there's much more to her than that. So she's had a lot of success. She continues to have a lot of success and she continues to release as well. Yeah, I knew that this wasn't her first album, but it wasn't until doing the research that I read that this was the first album released outside of Canada. And I also didn't realise, because her first two albums aren't on uh, streaming services, or I couldn't find them anyway, her first two albums apparently are very much more of a dance pop. I also read somewhere a bubblegum pop sound, which I very much doubt it's bubblegum pop, but um, I haven't listened to the first two albums, but I'm really intrigued to hear them. Have you heard them, Will? I haven't heard them, Dan, but I bet when you heard bubblegum pop, you had a prick up your ears. No, you pricked your ears up. What's the phrase? My ears pricked up. Something pricked up. Yes, that's it. This is Jagged Little Pill, which is the album we're going to be talking about today. It's the third studio album, and it was released on the 13th of June, 1995. Dan, what's the significance of us talking about it today? I've told you, Ironic is 25. Happy 25th, quarter of a century to Ironic. And isn't that ironic? Isn't it ironic that I just don't listen? (laughs) No, that's expected and standard. And this, uh, yeah, so this was released uh, in 1995. Again, third time we've said that now. Um, (laughs) When was it released, Will Lovey? If it's 1995, it's not 25 years. No, Ironic was released in 96. You daft bugger. Dan, are you all right today? You feel a bit edgy, so you get picking up on some vibes. Because <laughs> you're not bloody listening. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got all that out of the way, and hopefully you've calmed down a little bit, Dan, and just relaxed. Relaxed into it, and we can get started. So, time to get stuck in? Let's get stuck in. Side one, track one, All I Really Want. And I really want is some patience. So that was all I really want. I think Alana starts as she means to go on. This sound that is running through this album is very present on here. And what Dan, I mean, sorry, by... I've got to interrupt you there. Uh, don't think by saying she starts as she means to go on, you can wor- reach around uh, saying set her stall out. You're basically saying the same thing, aren't you? I am basically saying that, and um, I just yeah, I just thought I'd try and try and steer away from the catchphrases but you know what let's keep it in she does set out her store for this album the sound you know it is a very much uh indie rock almost slightly grunge inspired in places alt rock thing but um thinking about the sound that she had before this apparent pop dance sound there's a real focus i think on the rhythm and the beat and the bass and i think she's brought that with her this does introduce this kind of power guitar power pop sound very early on uh, and I don't and again very untrue to my usual form I really enjoy it especially for the first time it's got a really uh the first of many very powerful choruses definitely and delivered with a very unique vocal style as well I think she there's no one really that sings like Alanis Morissette it's almost you know it's very 
emotional, it's yearning, it's, as you said, it's powerful. And, and, you know, she can hold it back and she can. There are songs later on when she almost kind of talks through some of the verses. But yeah, here that she belts it for that chorus. This was the third single released uh, from the album. Uh, and it got to number 59. Oh, it got to number 59 in the UK. Well, you know. What I will say, though, Will, is that when I was um, looking at the singles and things like that, I found that this is one of those slightly frustrating for us occurrences where the singles were sometimes released in different orders. So if you are listening to this and saying that wasn't the third single, that was the second or the first or the fifth, they were released in some cases, some weren't released in all territories and some were released in different orders. So here in the UK, this was the third single. Also, Will, this is probably the right time to talk about who is assisting Alanis with production and songwriting. You took the you took the question out of my mouth and just did it. Brilliant. Well, I think we've reached that stage in our relationship, in our professional working relationship, Will, where we can read each other's minds. It is Glenn Ballard on this one. And Glenn has worked on all sorts of iconic things from Michael Jackson's Thriller album to The Cause, Talk on Corners. He even wrote uh, the track Believe from The Polar Express, one of my favourite films, of course. Uh, and he is co-writing and producing, but also he plays guitar, keyboards and programming on here. And as I said before, there's it's a very rocky album. It's a very indie album, but it's definitely rhythm in, in with the programming and some of the beats and things like that. Also, Will, on this song, there is, in the credits, there is a groove activator. And that is uh, Mr. Gota Yashiki. What a cool, what a cool uh, title to have. Mm. What does it mean, though? Uh, the groove activator is some sort of um, sequencing uh, machine, some sort of synthesizer. Um, and Gota has worked with all sorts of our favourites, Depeche Mode, to name just one. And also, I just spotted a couple of other track-by-track favourites that Glenn has worked with. Bewitched. Really? Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. Katy Perry, Annie Lennox, uh, Shakira Shakira, and Christina Aguilera, Wilson Phillips. And before we move on from this one, Will, this song is about, as, as well as a few other things, it's about intellectual intercourse, which just makes me think of some of the parties and things that must happen after the university challenge uh, filming is finished. A bit of geek on geek action. Oh, absolute heaven. Oh, but you'd love to be a fly on the wall in that green room. Think Jeremy gets involved or? Yeah, absolutely. Four hammer and tongues. Oh, time to move on. Mrs. 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 Clarkson gets involved as well. Look, Paxman. Paxman. <laughs> Mrs. Pa- oh. <laughs> Track two now, and this is You Order Them. So track two there, you ought to know. I feel like with this one, Will, she's getting a little bit rockier. She's getting a little bit grungier. 
But still, this sound, it appeals to so many people, doesn't it? And I think that's why this song, this album, sorry, was so popular. Because again, if you was um, at an adolescent age when this album came out, you could really kind of, you could get on board maybe with the lyrics of the scorned lover and things like that. What's going on with the relationships at high school? But also, you know, again, I can imagine my dad listened to this one in the car. Uh, could you really? I could. In fact, he probably did, Will. I think this song is fantastic. I think it's one of the best songs of the 90s and one of the most remembered and iconic songs of the 90s. Just because, obviously, it was the lead single off of this album. So it kind of took you into this whole period for Alanis. And I also think, the, like you say, the lyrics and the attitude behind it, so relatable, really empowering as well. Also, um, we had a little shocked moment uh, when we were listening to the track just now uh, because it's quite quite blue as well. Yes, yeah, sorry. If you're gathered around the wireless uh, on a Sunday evening with your wife and children, uh, then I do apologise for that sort of language. It's not what we aim to share on a family-friendly show like Track by Track. You, you metaphorically clutched your pearls. <laughs> I did. I gasped. And I can remember, again, listening to that as a teenager in like a kind of shared listening experience. Everyone loved it because it was like the F word in a song and it was really cool and it yeah. was really fun. But, you know, this is very much, very personal, this feels as well, this track. Yes, and I do believe that the man in question who this song is about, Alanis, did not reveal who he was in a very similar vein to uh, You're So Vain by Carly Simon. But this was an interesting thing happened to this in the charts, actually, Dan, because it, it debuted in the UK single chart at number 76. And then over the following weeks, it rose, eventually peaking at 22. So although it didn't set the charts on fire, it was a big seller. So it actually sold uh, nearly 300,000 copies in the UK because it just grew and grew and grew. And that is the, that is because very much word of mouth, I think, at the time, for Alanis uh, in the UK. Yeah, definitely. And what an exciting time the charts were back then. Obviously, yeah, mid-90s, when things would, quite often they would uh, enter the charts outside of the top 40 and then grow up the charts? No, climb, climb, that's the word, climb up the charts. Yeah, I, I loved, it was just great fun back then, wasn't it, just to see, just to watch the charts every, or listen to the charts every week and just see what was going on, what was moving around. I saw a, a screenshot recently, Will. Someone shared uh, a screenshot of when Ed Sheeran released his last album and every song was in the top 40. And the chart, like that's, I think, when the charts were broken and were boring. And obviously, this was 95, such a different time. And just a reminder to reassure our listeners, you won't hear us talking about Ed Sheeran on Track by Track. Uh, that's a Track by Track guarantee. But I know what you mean, Dan. I was I used to love uh, like an underdog in the charts that would kind of come in and then rise slowly. And there are some familiar names playing on this track as well. Flea is on bass. Flea, of course, from Red Hot Chili Peppers fame. Also from Back to the Future Part 2 fame for me. Uh, and you've also got Dave Navarro, formerly of Red Hot Chili Peppers and of Jane's Addiction. I love the fact that we will go 10 minutes earlier from talking about Bewitched and Wilson Phillips to talking then about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And you know, Will, actually, I'm a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't, are you a fan? Is anything they've done to appeal to you? Nothing springs to mind. What about their cover version of All Saints Under the Bridge? 
Oh, yeah, it was a good cover. It wasn't as good as the original, though. No, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> we should just, just preface that because we do, obviously, sometimes get pulled up on these things. We know that what the original was. Yes. All Saints. <laughs> and before we move on from You Ought to Know, you ought to know, Will, that the video for this one was directed by Nick Egan, who we only spoke about a few weeks ago on the Duran Duran episode. Yes, we did indeed. Hello, Nick. Why did we speak about him? Uh, he directed one of the videos there. <laughs> Why do you think we spoke about him? Just had a chat and see how he's going. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just short-term memory. Track three now, and this is perfect. So that was perfect. Oh, what did you like about it, Will? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, and I was going to make a little joke just for fun and say, no, 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 let's leave it in, Dan. Let's show you up. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say, you're probably expecting me to to, uh, say, what a great time to talk about the fantastic album, but I'm not actually because I love the juxtaposition of. That kind of really thrashing voice, which is just incredible, uh, to a much more tender. So to go from thrashing around to being a little bit more tender. That sounds lovely. And sorry for interrupting you, Will, trying to get a quick quip in there. How unprofessional of me. Anything for for a cheap laugh. Yes, a cheap laugh and a cheap thrill. This, Will, is the first song that Alanis performed in her audition for Maverick Records, which of course is uh, the label co-founded by Madonna. Uh, and this is the label that, that Alanis signed to. And apparently they knew straight away, just a few seconds into this song, they knew that they were going to sign her. And of course, uh, what a deal it was for them because this this went on to sell, I think in excess of 30 million copies, this album. So um, good for wow. them. And good for her for, for nailing the audition. And good for anyone that was canny enough to buy this album when it came out. Because I think regardless of what music you were into at the time, this was a real treat. I think the t- her talent, her vocals, and this song is a great showcase for her incredible vocal range. And it's a little bit more stripped back so you can hear it even more exposed. But just, yeah, the range that she has is mm. uh, phenomenal. And I think it really did cement her place as a female megastar. And with it being a bit more stripped back, this one, it does showcase the voice even more, doesn't it? Do you remember? I think this definitely paved the way for more uh, female solo guitar-led artists. I can remember uh, a very sound-alike. Do you remember Meredith... Um, Brooks. Brooks. Yes, and Bitch. Bitch. Did you just say that as an excuse for us to both say Bitch. Bitch. You bitch. Reminds me of uh, you... Pat, Pat and Peggy. You bitch! You cow! <laughs> Who we often compare ourselves to. Uh, but no, that song was very reminiscent. But I loved it still when it came out at the time. Oh, flaming will kill ya! And if we're lucky, here's a little reminder. I'll roll into one. I'm a bitch. I'm a lover. I'm a child. I'm a mother. I'm a sinner. 
that, yeah, I, I bet Will. It wouldn't be surprised if some people assumed that was Alanis. And also another one that was similar in sound to me that always kind of makes me think of Alanis is What's Up by Four Non Blondes, which I think came before, but it's got that kind of very angsty female girl power um, DGAF attitude. And of course, also around at the time, Cheryl Cole. Crow. <laughs> Cheryl Crow. I just, this is, I don't know if I've talked about this already, but I was so peeved at Glastonbury last time we were there, whenever that was, because Cheryl Crow was playing on the pyramid stage on a sunny Saturday afternoon. And it's the first time I was going to see her. I was so excited to see her. But I was parched and I needed a drink and I'd ran out of cans. So I went to the bar who and there was the slowest service in the world. And for some reason, Cheryl Crow played her three or four biggest hits at the start of the set. So they were all playing as I was queuing to get myself a cold pint of cider. And by the time I got back to the crowd and to where we all were, um, I didn't know any of the rest of the songs, basically. And do you know what? She's vindictive like that. She knew you were waiting. Yes. She knew you were waiting. She knew you were waiting for you, for her. (laughs) For a cider. Uh, Before we leave Perfect Will. Perfect Will. That's not something I say very often. Uh... Before we leave Perfect, Will, uh, this one apparently is about pushy mums and dads. And they're oh, bloody awful, a bit like they? your A bit like your mum, that time that she pushed you into the railway track, that time that you were going for that country walk. Track four now, Dan. Hand in my pocket. I care, but I'm restless. I'm here, but I'm really gone. Another iconic Alanis Morissette track, uh, and one we were singing along to that. Uh, it's one of those ones that I think everyone knows. Everyone knows the words to it. Yeah, definitely, and I love the words to it as well. I think that they're they're the kind of words that are really fun to sing out as well. There's one, uh, "I'm brave, but I'm chicken shit." It's just uh, I think you said before when there's the f bomb in one of the songs, you just kind of, especially as an acid teenager, you wanted to sing the swear words. I'm drunk, but I'm sober. Yeah. Full of full of contradiction, this song. A little bit like you, Will. There was that time. Remember the time, Dan, that you were... Where you did think you were drunk, but actually you were sober. Because I kept bringing you uh, Virgin Mojito. Virgin Mojitos. And we started off with bottles of calibre, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, but you were still falling all over the place. Stumbling all over the place, you know. Um, it was a, it was a, what's it called? Um, a placebo, wasn't it? Placebo. Get them on the long list, Dan. Mm. Nancy boy. So this was uh, the second single to be released from the album, uh, and again, interestingly, this got to number twenty-six in the singles chart. I have a very selective or hazy memory of this album and i imagine the singles were much more successful than they actually were 
Yeah, likewise. But maybe people were just going straight for the album. Maybe she felt like an album artist. And obviously, many, many, many people did get the album. Um, and also, there's um, there are certain bands, aren't there, where or artists where their albums are hugely successful, um, but their singles not so much. And I think maybe Alanis is just one of those artists. I, I mean, people call it an album artist, don't they? Some people are album artists. Some people are single artists. And this is definitely something that you can imagine, get, well, not imagine, I think it definitely did get heavy radio play in the US and probably across the UK, though, at the time. It's very radio friendly. Very radio friendly. Like we said, you can sing along to it. I love how it's also, you know, you can imagine hearing this one live. It'd be wonderful to sing along to. You could have a little little sway to it, but it's not, obviously, it's not her most upbeat. It's not her most... Um, angsty is just a fantastic relatable uh approachable perhaps song it's quite whimsical as well very whimsical also will there's a harmonica in there i don't think we often get a harmonica on track by track do we no dan but it did remind me about the time uh, when you first tried to play a harmonica uh and you popped the whole thing in your mouth and tried to play it and it was <laughs> obscene actually just <laughs> horrendous well i do apologize i'd never i never even had to play one before so i had no idea if it was meant to suck or blow <laughs> so let's move on now track number five uh and dan this is what happened the last time that you came over to my house and had my uh artichoke and blue cheese bake right through you <laughs> Dan, this is um interesting story actually for this song, isn't it? Going through it going through it. Yes. I believe it is to do with uh sleazy, I think is the right word, like record company bosses and things like that, isn't it? And as we said before, Alana signed a new deal with Maverick for this album. Her previous two albums not available on streaming services, so you can only imagine that there's um Maybe still even 25 years on from this song being released. Still some bad blood there. And good for her, actually, for, you know, sticking to her guns. Uh, and also for sharing her experiences of these nasty individuals. This is the first time I feel compelled to say what a great album track this is. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, this was not a single. There was a lot, was it five or six singles from this album? This was not a single. Um, but I feel like with this album... And we said it before with uh, Perfect, you know, the quality of the songs throughout is just fantastic anyway. I really like Will on this one, the line about, and it sounds a bit silly saying it after what we just said about the, the meaning behind the song, but the line about Wine Dying in 69. So it's a fun line. So let's move on then. Track number six, it's another album track. This is Forgiven.
So track six there, Forgiven. With this one, Will, we've talked a lot about Alanis's voice, but I think with this one, you can really lose yourself in the music. And there are lots of musical breaks in this one. Brilliant guitar. I love the guitar in this track. I can't believe, I can't believe my, what I'm saying. I, I can't know. believe what I'm saying. I, uh, who is this? <laughs> but no, I just love it in the kind of pre-chorus and then leading into the chorus, as well as obviously the brilliant vocals. The guitar really shines for me in this song. Quite mid-tempo. Again, another, you know, the writing on this is really great because it's drawing from her experiences. And this is a lot around her upbringing as a Catholic. Mm. And, um, and is she forgiving? Well, is she a forgiving person? Are the people in the song forgiven? I think it's open to interpretation. As with all great songs. Absolutely. You take your own reading and you take your own enjoyment from it. Yes. And, Will, you don't forgive, do you? Or forget. No, I do like to bear a grudge. Yes. And you're very good at it, I have to say. Particularly at a time where there are much fewer uh, things to enjoy in life. Um, so at the moment, I'm uh, feeling particularly vindictive. And I'm really getting the, the brunt of that, actually. Yeah, and I know you were only 10 minutes late to record today, but I, I am going to send you uh, quite a long text about it later. <laughs> oh, I do like those lengthy texts you send me. You know, I have to scroll the screen about five or six times to get to the, the real meat of the story. Maybe it's a sign of the times now of the kind of more throwaway, quick, fast-paced world we live in. But if you get a long text that you have to scroll for... Does it sometimes put you off reading it? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. There's, um, what's that meme about, oh, happy for you or sad for you, or didn't read it or something like that. I definitely, you know, un I get that. If some, if I do get a text like that, and it is, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, bitchy or it's full of some constructive feedback or something like that, I really do like to reply just with an okay or maybe even just a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That's it. It's even easier now to not even have to write a reply. You can just heart it or dislike it. Yeah. Or Dan, your favourite is the exclamation mark. Yeah, just to show you that I'm quite shocked and taken aback by what you've said. Track number seven now. You'll know. So that was Your Learn. This is one of my favourite tracks on the album, Dan. And in particular, I think the chorus is just beautiful, actually. And really, really pulls on my on my emotions. I didn't know you had any, Will. <laughs> I'd love to play this song every time you come round. Try and tap into that unbreakable spirit of yours. Uh, but do you know what I mean? Seriously, though, do you know what oh, I mean? Serious, sorry, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely get it. And also, I think because of the... It's the delivery, isn't it, of the vocal of the chorus, because I feel like it's amazing anyway, and you think you get it, and then she just gives it kind of one more push of that you'll learn. You learn, sorry, not you'll learn. It kind of, yeah, almost takes your breath away. But also, just the whole, the whole spirit, the whole uh, lyricism of the song, talking about self-help, um, is one that you kind of... It's one of those songs where you kind of just sit down and listen to it and just put yourself in the place of the uh, narrator. Put yourself inside the narrator. 
but this is yeah, it's very empowering, isn't it? Uh, and again, you know, the familiar kind of motifs of this album around the very personal nature of the songwriting, the guitar-driven production, it's all present and correct as well. But I just think the way it's kind of put, comes together in this is is wonderful. This was uh, a single. It was the fifth single from the album. Uh, and it got to number 24, uh, she's kind of hit her spot in the album, in the it singles chart in the UK with this, uh, in that kind of low 20s. Uh, and the video for this track, uh, I found interesting, Dan, it was filmed in the Meatpacking District in New York, which is funny because you used to live in the Fudge Packing District uh, <laughs> of London, of didn't they... you? <laughs> Outrageous. I do like fudge. Fudge is delicious. Yes. What's your favourite flavour fudge? Uh, I do like the traditional one. And also, on a very basic level, I do like a finger off <laughs> as well. Yes. Oh, um, Cadbury's. Yeah. Oh, I think that's the, the most boring chocolate bar of fudge. You know, when you get one in a selection box, it's always the last one to go. Oh, first first one. Straight in there with that. No surprise. Leave, leave the bounty, Dan. Oh, no, no. I don't want the bounty, no. This, of course, this song has the line, swallow it down like a jagged little pill where the name of the album comes from. Uh, also, this one, Will, was featured in Glee's Jagged Little Tapestry episode, where they mashed up songs from this album and from Carol King's Tapestry. So this song was mashed up with her classic, You've Got a Friend. Have you seen that episode, Will? Were you a fan of Glee? Uh, I, I, a very early series, but uh, very quickly lost interest. Mm. I, I haven't seen, I don't think I've seen a whole episode of it, but... I do keep meaning to, because it's on a lot of the streaming services, isn't it? I, I do keep meaning to give it a little go. Track number eight now, and this is Head Over Feet. You've already won me over in spite of me And don't be alone if I fall Head over feet And don't be surprised if I love you For all that you So head over feet there. And uh, Dan, she goes hell for leather on the harmonica towards the end of that song. Even more so than you did that time when you tried to play it uh, the wrong way. Yes, but I'm sure she's much more skilled than me. I'm sure she didn't put the whole thing in, in her mouth. Well, you shouldn't put the whole thing. You don't. Oh, you'll never learn. You'll live. You'll learn. <laughs> This, I love the vocal delivery on this one as well. It's so laid back compared to some of the other things. We, we've heard her throughout this album belting out this, again, this kind of um, very unique but very powerful vocal. But on here, just very chilled, almost spoken in some parts. Another very memorable chorus, and I can remember everybody belting out, you've already won me over. Bit Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Liza sings Alanis. I would like to hear that. Yeah, forget bloody Glee and the kids on there. Get Liza Minnelli on the case. I thought you was going to say then forget bloody Pet Shop Boys. That would be Ooh. cause for concern, actually. Uh, this was the sixth single to be released from the album, or maybe fifth, depending on your territory. 
this was her first top ten single oh, in the UK. Got to number seven in the UK single chart, which is funny, really, because it's actually for me the weakest single. Uh, still an enjoyable song, no? okay. you know, good, but the weakest single. But I guess this is her rise in popularity and presence in the UK as an as a musician that's that's helped propel her, thrust her up. But it is interesting, though, that, you know, being single five or six, the album, of course, would have already been out and sold massively. It is interesting that it was this single that did so well, because I don't think it is looking back. I don't think it's the most popular. I would agree. I don't think it's the strongest single. It's just very strange that this is the one that did it. And it's about a couple who are best friends as well as lovers. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Track number nine now. Mary Jane. So that was track nine, Mary Jane. What a great time to look at fantastic album artwork. Hmm. This is an iconic album cover and you could show it to anyone without the uh, name on there uh, and their face and they would know what it, who it was because it's just, again, synonymous with the mid-1990s. You've got Alanis Morissette, Jagged Pill on there in a kind of typed face font. Uh, and you've got her head in green and red with a bit of uh, sun shining through there as well. It's lovely, isn't it? But so familiar as well. Yeah, so familiar. And worth noting as well that uh, Jagged Little Pill has been re-released um, in 2005 for the 10-year anniversary and then again for the 20th anniversary. Um, and each time the cover art has been tweaked slightly but still very much using this as a main reference well it has to be doesn't it because it is you oh know, yeah it is the album yeah it's the album and i have to say i'm glad they i'm glad they made a few changes to it i'm glad it wasn't just this i'm glad they they did something different but yeah you can't take away from this yeah iconic cover and yes will it is one i have on vinyl and it has been on the wall of fame what do you think of the track i like that i can see why it chose this track i think yeah, for me, this would be one of my not top tracks. But we haven't yet talked about the fact that Jagged Little Pill was only a few years ago turned into a Broadway show and a very successful Broadway show as well, nominated for uh, several awards. And this is a song that I can really imagine working well on stage. And this and, you know, a few of the other ones as well. But this one, I think, just very feels very personal. I'm sure they sort of wove a character called Mary Jane into the story uh, to, to be able to sing this song too. Initially, obviously, I assumed it was about Pot, de- the Devil's Lettuce, Ganja, Sweet Mary Jane, Mary Jane Holland. <laughs> the Devil's Lettuce <laughs> is lovely. <laughs> uh, but it's not apparently well. Apparently... Uh, Alana said she wasn't sophisticated enough uh, to be smoking marijuana at the time. Uh, but yes, Will, what do you think to... You, obviously, it's the Al Mark song. What do you think to the song? 
It's it's not my favourite song on the album. Uh, it's a slower moment. Obviously, that's uh, often a sticking point for me. Mm. Uh, but actually, the chorus is really nice in this. Um, I just I just like every other song a bit more on the album. Yeah. Uh, track number ten now. It's a big one. It's like Ironic there, probably one of the most iconic, ironic and iconic, <laughs> Alanis Morissette tracks. Uh, not just because it's an amazing pop rock track, but because just the lyrics in it, you know, the the, iro- the ironicisms, is that a word? It is now, Will, because you said it. It is now. The ironicisms uh, and the wordplay in the, in the lyrics are just so memorable. And again, we were mouthing our, our way through that track, weren't we? We were to each other, which is uh, a lovely experience in this day and age. <laughs> um, but I love the fact that, of course, the song is called Ironic. It's full of those, what are you calling them? Ironicisms. Um, <laughs> new word of the day. But of course, there's so much controversy around whether the lines in this song are actually irony or not. Um, and I think since the song came out, there's kind of an argument that's gone on and Alanis and Glenn, uh, the co-writer, have both said many times that, um, you know, they weren't trying to be exactly correct and that these things were ironic. And in fact, Alanis has said that, in fact, they were just trying to make each other laugh in the studio with these slightly ironic situations. And Glenn has said in an interview that he's got a degree in English uh, and he did his dissertation on T.S. Eliot. So he understands what irony is. But, you know, for the basis of this pop song, this worked. So, you know, all these people whinging on about is it ironic or not? Bugger off. But what I would say to to Glenn and Alanis, though, is if there was a no smoking sign and they were having a cigarette break, they'd actually broken the law. So, you know, irony or not, that's illegal. Mm. Track by track investigates. But what a what a song. What a great song. It's a great song. I feel like this is this is her most known song. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was a big hit in the UK. It got to number 11. So continuing her rise. Uh, this was the third single release from Jagged Little Pill. And a great video for this one. Will, do you remember the video? Uh, I can't remember. The video had... Alanis, uh, well, it was a car full of Alanises. She was picking herself up, uh, literally in the car, which just gave me a horrible vision of a car full of Wills, particularly with Will driving. I'm not going to take offence, Dan, because I can't drive. <laughs> and you can take offence, though, can't you? Uh, quite happily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we do enjoy a bit of irony ourselves, don't we, Dan? We do. And I quite enjoy a bit of ironing as well. Quite, quite therapeutic. Also, Alanis performed a new version of this song on uh, The Late Late Show in 2015 with updated lyrics about swiping left and funny tweets and uh, a no-smoking sign when you brought your vape. Ah, nice. Is that better for you? Will you uh, be less likely to look up 
that's a crime? Uh, it's still a bit of a grey area, but we'll we'll cross over it. Mm. Uh, such as the success of this song, it sold 664,000 copies in the UK. Goodness me. Uh, and was a number one hit in the US, actually, as well. Oh, good. I'm glad about that. Also, the video, I've got to say, the video won uh, an MTV Video Music Award. Actually, won several, sorry, won several. Track number 11 now. And Dan, this is what you realised after you had that quite invasive uh, anal endoscopy procedure. Not the doctor. Visiting hours at nine to five And if I show up at ten past six Well, I already know that you'll find some way to sneak me in and go So uh, I should point out, Dan, that he was a cleaner and he had quite a specific perversion. I I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it yet, Will. Still quite sore. Very. <laughs> <laughs> so not the doctor there. I love, um, I just lost count of the number of times I said I've loved the chorus in this episode. But visiting hours are nine to five. But if you turn up at ten past six, I'll still try and fit you in. Obviously not a real doctor, because you've ever tried to be flexible with a doctor's receptionist. Absolute nightmare. Well, the receptionists are the worst ones, actually, aren't they? The doctors are normally quite lovely, but uh, yeah. receptionists, they're, they're kind of busybodies who... Um, do you know what? I think I had to go to the doctors once. Or I don't know if I rang them up or I went in there and I said, I need an appointment. And the receptionist said, what like what for? What's wrong with you? And I found out saying, what the hell has it got to do with you? You're an admin woman. Just take my name down and get me an appointment. But she eventually had your trousers down uh, and was almost trying to triage herself. (laughs) What, at the same time as triaging me? (laughs) (laughs) So this track, uh, again, I love the story that's going through this, you know, talking about I'm not your nurse, I'm not your mother, not you know, all of this kind of wonderful wordplay. Yeah, I really like this one. And again, I think it's one that would really lend itself to uh, the musical because, you know, it's already kind of creating characters. So I I imagine there was a doctor in the Jagged Little Pill musical. Um, Probably quite fun to play the doctor, actually. I'd love to play the doctor. Yeah. Doctor Who are you thinking about? Yeah. I was thinking doctors and nurses. You do like taking people's temperatures. (laughs) Um. But yeah, the chorus is where it really gets going. And again, I think obviously this is the penultimate track of proper songs on the album, I'll say. Uh, And it feels like it is really, you know, it's not going out with a whimper. It's a really full on chorus, full of guitar, full of grunge, full of some great um, production. And on to track 12 now. And this is Wake Up. Little Susie, wake up. On this on this track wake up do you think this is a 
Alanis is telling us to wake up? Do you think she's sending us a message? Uh, do you know what, Will? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's a, we, we really should wake up, shouldn't we? Smother coffee. Look around. See what's going on. Do something. Do something about the world we're living in at the moment, mm. whether that's the environment, the political state, the health state. Well, it's, it's very open to interpretation, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's a great album closer. What do you think of this as kind of the last track proper on the album? Apart from it being great. It, it Apart from, yeah, apart from being very generic and um, vague, I really like, again, the, it's the, I'm really getting a lot from the grooves of this album. And I think the bass and the drums, and I think there's a lot of drum machines on this album, actually. Um, I, I think it's it comes through on this song. But also, again, you've got really clever observational lyrics the vocal kind of shows showcases what Alanis can do. I think it's a great track to leave you and remind you kind of of what kind of encapsulate what you've just experienced. And just playing underneath now, you can just hear the last actual track on the album, which is a, a bit of a, a reprise for uh, you ought to know. It's the Jimmy the Saint blend and a hidden track leading in, which you can, which is actually what you can hear, which is your house and acapella. So a more low key end. Yeah, I do. Did you miss hidden tracks? No, not really. Just give us the goods up front. <laughs> that is your motto for everything. <laughs> no, but for some people, and it's particularly more when it, we were in a very CD world. CD, not CD, as in. Bleh. It was always nice to have some a surprise at the end, especially when you discover that last track on the album was eight or nine minutes long, but mm. the track finished at three and a half, four minutes. But I guess it's just really hard to do now in a streaming world because it's not hidden, it's there. Yeah, you can see it. Quite right. Also, Will, I'd like to mention, I think I might have got uh, myself a little bit confused before. I mentioned about the anniversary editions of the album um, but there was a full acoustic reworking of the album, which is the one that was released 10 years to the day after the original. Uh, so if you do like the more stripped back sounds of the album or this this more acoustic acapella uh, track, there's a whole album there waiting for you. And before we move into further listening, just a word on the album performance. Uh, it was po- very positively reviewed. So Q Magazine, 4 out of 5, uh, NME, 7 out of 10. Uh, Rolling Stone, four and a half out of five. Uh, so I think a lot of positivity around uh, kind of f- the fresh voice and talent that Alanis was showcasing in this album around the, the songwriting and the production. A few critics around maybe some of the repetitive nature of, of some of the tracks, uh, but on the whole, uh, a very, very uh, positively reviewed album. So, Dan, for further listening, what are we going to do? Well, as we said, there are various anniversary editions of the album with lots of uh, demos and acoustic versions and things like that. But actually, I think what we wanted to do today was bring things right up to date. Alanis is still releasing albums and her most recent album, Such Pretty Forks in the Road, was followed up with a, a remix EP, Such Pretty Forks in the Mix. So just to kind of add a real track-by-track element to the episode, we thought we'd end it with a bit of a donk, didn't we? We are going to end it with a donk. And Dan, I'm going to be a bit cheeky. Mm. Uh, First of all, I'm going to say I'd like to kick off. 
Uh, and I'm going to choose a remix that isn't on the EP, but <laughs> is does exist. So this is of the wonderful track Smiling. This is the F9 Radio remix, Freemasons Alert, uh, of Smiling. radio remix of smiling uh f9 is one half of the freemasons and dan it jumps out at you doesn't it because they're definitely trying to make it sound a little bit like uninvited yes i thought that straight away and i i got confused actually i had to have a quick look just then because i was thinking i'm sure freemasons remixed uh, uninvited but it was a cover wasn't it It wasn't alonis's vocal on the track no it was bailey zook that provided the vocals uh on their re-recorded version i bet invited i haven't done much digging but i bet out there somewhere there must be a there's a freemasons mix of alanis's or someone's put them together oh, there is there is, is there? yeah there oh, was, that's where it originated but then they decided to open it up like a lovely flower oh that's lovely uh, but i do enjoy uh a bit of alanis with a donkon and i think this is just uh, great fun uh, also familiar if you enjoy listening to our new music drops last year we did feature it then oh. dan what have you gone for so i am going for the mndr remix of sandbox love <laughs> the MNDR remix of Sandbox Love there. For anyone who doesn't know, MNDR uh, is a singer-songwriter and producer. She's probably most known for uh, being the featured vocalist on uh, Mark Ronson and the Business International's Bang Bang Bang. Uh, She's also got a fantastic album called Feed Me Diamonds. And also, uh, and it's just, you'll love... Oh Oh my goodness (laughs) me. Possessed by the the growler. And also, you'll love the fact that I get to say this, Will. Uh, she stood in for Nick Rhodes on a Duran Duran tour when he was unable to uh, do play a few dates. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Every week. Every bloody week. How you uh, would have thought on the um, Alanis Morissette episode, maybe this is the episode where I didn't mention Duran Duran. <laughs> but no. Uh, the thing I enjoy about this remix is it's really housey. I could imagine Jodie Harsh playing this in one of her DJ sets. Yes, definitely. I can just imagine bobbing her head behind the decks in that way she does. And hopefully we'll get to see that in real life very soon, Will. And if you're listening... Hiya, Jodie. Hello, Jodie. We're, We're out of time. Out of time. So there we go. Alanis Morissette on track by track. What a delight. Dan, thank you. Thank you for joining me. You're very welcome. I'd love to come back and do it again. (laughs) Maybe next week.
<laughs> I'm busy next week. Do let us know what your memories are of Jagged Little Pill's seminal album. Great to talk about today at Track by Track UK. And if you have enjoyed this week's episode, please do head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a rating and a review. We love positivity. So give us five stars and a lovely comment, please. Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to what's coming up next on Track by Track? Next week, we are... Wow, we're going from an album celebrating 25, 26 years to an album that is just about to turn three. And it is the debut album from a indie dance electro brother sister fronted uh, band from australia who could it be to say any more might not give it away actually uh who could it be yeah quite vague uh but a great uh a great group to talk about next week that's all we've got time for today why is this normal how do we normally end it (laughs) (laughs) so until next time i've been Glenn Ballard. And I've been not the doctor. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We're kind of running a professional podcast here. (laughs) Are we? That's the joke. You should let me know. When, When did you start doing that? We're having soup as well, but I've got a couple of baps. (laughs) (laughs) I did see when you sat down, they nearly uh, punched you in the eye.